0: Girl, thank you so much for coming back to the "Girl, God's Got You" podcast episode. My name is Isabel Clausen, and I'm the host of this podcast. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking all about debating against the enemy's lies with God's truth. Now, for those of you that know me personally, you know that I am a huge debate nerd. I did speech and debate through high school and then I did coaching when I was out of high school and it was so fun. I absolutely love learning about debate, the processes of it, how it works, how to create an argument, how to respond, super fun. And even though I don't compete or coach anymore, it's still fascinating to me. And I was thinking of my whole list of podcast episode ideas, and one that I came across was this topic of debating against Satan's lies with the truth of God. And so that's what this podcast episode is going to be about. We're going to be diving into three big lies that I think a lot of women believe and how we could combat those lies with the truth of God. So, before we dive into that, I want to share the verse of the week, and that's John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. And it says, To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This verse couldn't fit this podcast episode much better because that's what we're talking about. The truth of God will set us free from the lies that the enemy wants us to believe. Whether it's about our self-worth, how well we are working, our accomplishments, our internal and external beauty, whatever we're struggling with and whatever areas in our life maybe we don't feel confident or we don't feel enough in. God's truth can really free us from these things that hold us down. And so that's the verse of the week. For the quote of the week, I have a, actually a graphic that I found on Pinterest. I will link the link to this graphic uh, on the in the show notes and description box. But it talks about... The idea of how God makes you feel versus how Satan makes you feel. And so I'll just describe what this graphic says. So it says that God stills you, but Satan rushes you. God reassures you, but the enemy frightens you. God leads you, the enemy pushes you. God enlightens you, and the enemy confuses you. God forgives you, Satan condemns you. God calms you, Satan stresses you. God encourages you, the enemy discourages you, and God comforts you while the enemy worries you. And I think that this quote, kind of graphic, really helps us understand that whatever the enemy's trying to make us feel, God usually makes us feel the opposite, and he makes us feel so much better. On a personal note, one of the reasons I wanted to create this episode is from a one-liner that Aaron always shares with me when I'm really hard on myself. And he always says, Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater towards yourself. Don't self-loathe. Don't worry. Don't be not confident in your abilities or what you say. just says, don't be a hater. Respect yourself. Love yourself. And at the end of the day, why should we do this? Why should we not be a hater to ourselves and believe what Satan's telling us? It's because God loves us and he died for us and he wants us to feel confident in who he says about us, not what we say about ourselves or what Satan says about us. We should trust in what God says about us because that's the truth and sometimes when we believe the lies that the enemy tells us or even the lies that we tell ourselves, if we have our self-worth founded on those things, we're going to have days where we feel like we're a hater to ourselves. And so that's just kind of the one-liner I want you to carry throughout this episode is don't be a hater because God loves you so much. And so that's kind of a, a personal story that whenever Aaron says that, I uh, know to change my mindset because I am pretty hard on myself sometimes in life. And I think a lot of you listening probably are too, because a lot of us struggle with that. And that's just part of our, our Christian journey to continually de- to remind ourselves to put our self-worth in God's hands. And that'll ultimately help us work harder for his glory. Now my God's Got You moment of this week is yesterday, October 29th, was the two-month mark until Aaron and I get married, and so I'm very excited for us to get married. I have learned so much about myself and Aaron and God through this engagement season. It's been such a special time, but I am very excited to combine lives with Aaron. So I'd say just having that two-month mark met is super exciting, and, and it was just, It was so fun uh, this last Saturday just to talk to Aaron about, oh my gosh, we have two months. So exciting. So I'd say that's my God's Got You moment of the week. And for those of you that are listening and you have a God's Got You moment that you want to share, please email it to me or DM it to me on Instagram. And if you want me to share on the podcast, I totally will. I think it's great for us to share all the great ways God is working in our lives, big or small. And so, to start off the content of this episode, I want to share a quote from a website called livingbydesign.org. And the article says that we could change our beliefs to line up with God's word, or we could keep cultivating our false belief systems. Changing what we believe is challenging because it involves actively replacing a thought pattern that has been repeated for years, or possibly decades. But with some time, focus, reinforcement, practice, and the help of the Holy Spirit, we could reform our beliefs to reflect and align with God's truths. And that's what this whole practice is of debating the enemy's lies with God's truth has to entail. And it really is a practice. You're not going to just wake up one morning and say, okay, this is an intrusive thought I have. Let me replace it with God's truth. It's not going to be a habit right off the bat. You have to practice it over and over again. And that's something I'm currently working on right now. It's a practice. There's going to be times where maybe you don't replace the enemy's lies with God's truth and you believe it for far too long. So that's why it's important to practice and to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Now, one way to apply a debate technique to this topic is a very simple response tactic that debaters use. So, usually, when someone has an argument in a debate case, As the opposing side, you make a simple response statement to an argument and then you give your reasons behind your response. This reasoning can be in the form of logic, in real life examples, in direct quotations from a source, etc. And so today, when I'm going to be sharing the three common lies, the three common arguments that the enemy presents to us that he wants us to believe, I'm going to be sharing three statements as to why that lie is not true and then i'll be sharing bible verses as well as some examples to back up the statement so we're going to have different forms of evidence in these debate responses today so for those of you nerds out there i hope you're going to have as much fun listening to this as i had in creating this and for those of you that do not think debate theory is cool well i still think that this episode is worth the listen because I, my intent is, it, is for it to be encouraging and to share an uplifting message to start your week off. So let's talk about the first lie. The first lie that I think the enemy wants a lot of us to believe is this. I am not valuable or lovable. But here's the response to that. You are valuable and you are lovable because God is your father and because he sent Jesus to die for you. Now, the first piece of evidence I want to use to back up this response is a Bible verse. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, and it says, You have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. Now, the example I want to share with this response is from a devotional from Daily Hope by Rick Warren, and I will have the specific link to this devotional in the show notes below. I'm just going to read most of the devotional. It's not super long, but it has such an impact. So it says, you are extremely valuable to God. He even said in Isaiah 43, 4, you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. So why are you so valuable to him? One, you are valuable because God is your father, and you are his child. The Bible says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Number two, you are valuable because Jesus gave his life for you. The Bible says you have been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23. The fact that you belong to God adds incredible value to your life. When you go to an auction, things that once belonged to famous people often cost much more. It could be an ordinary jar, instrument, or pair of shoes. But if it was owned by a famous musician, athlete, or president, the value goes up. Would a rock star's guitar be worth more than one of my guitars? Of course! You see, common things can have great value depending on who the owner is. But value doesn't depend only on who owns something, it also depends on what somebody's willing to pay for it. I remember reading a story about a girl who was kidnapped. She was the daughter of a very wealthy and influential king. This king put the word out, any price will be paid for her return. She's the king's daughter. You are the king's daughter or son. You are God's child. The greatest ransom ever paid was paid for you by Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth and suffered for you. God exchanged his own son for your salvation, for your freedom. Christ gave his life so that you could have eternal life. If you want to know how valued you are, just look at the cross. The cross proves your value. If someone has ever told you you're worthless, they're dead wrong. You are not worthless. You are priceless and you are infinitely valuable to God in Christ. So the second lie that I think a lot of us believe is my looks and accomplishments define me. Well, what's the corresponding response to this? What's the truth? It's Jesus' love that defines you. Now the Bible verse that I want to share as part of the evidence for this response is from Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 through 10 and it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. Think about this. The God of the universe is what defines us. It's not our accomplishments. It's not what we say. It's not what we do. It's the fact that Jesus loves us and he died for us. That's really what should define us. Another Bible verse I want to share is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. One of my favorite parts about this passage from Ephesians is that it says that works are important. Jesus wants us to do good works, to glorify him and love others, but we're not saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace through our faith. And this grace is a gift from God. It's not anything we do, it's what God has given us. So he wants us to do good works to show love, but we're not saved by our works. And that's something that I think is so important for us always to remember. And there's this great article from the Center for Faith and Culture. And it says, Simply put, our identity comes from the fact that we are Christ's possession first and foremost. We are the redeemed. Christ saw our sinfulness, our bad characters, and our misguided actions, yet he still bought us with the blood of Christ. We have been set free. So be encouraged. You are not defined by your title, by what, but by what Christ did for you. You are because he is. Your title is temporary, but the Spirit's work in you is eternal. Your actions do not define you. Rather, the Spirit works within you to change you from the inside out. The Spirit enables this so that you exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. He transforms our hearts, which change our actions. So when you go to work, do not forget who you are. It is not what you do that defines you, but what He has done for you." What a great one-liner to end on. It's not what you do that defines you, but what He has done for you. And when we're defined by God instead of just ourselves or our works, we could be filled up and then we could have direction from God to live out our purpose. First Peter 4.10 says each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so I think this is so important to not be defined by our looks or our works but what Jesus has done for us and then that could fill us up and give us the strength to use our talents to serve others and love God. So number three, the third lie that I think we all believe from the enemy is that I can't be forgiven for my past. Now the response to this is God loves you no matter what. His love is not dependent on your actions, but it's a choice that he makes to love us and forgive us. One of my favorite Bible verses is Romans 8, Verses 38 through 39, and it says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As long as you believe in God, you love him, you ask for forgiveness and you repent of your sins, nothing you do can separate you from his forgiveness. And he will always love you no matter what. Even if you are a sinner and you never repent or change your ways, he still loves you because he is your father. So he will always love you. And he will forgive you if you believe in him, if you love him, if you ask for forgiveness, and if you repent. And that's something that we cannot forget, no matter what's happened in our past. To end this podcast episode, I want to share this amazing short story. It's from thechristianperspective.net, and the short story is called Nothing Can Separate From. It's a very sweet story, and I really hope it encourages you as you start your week. The story is all about a young girl named Rebecca who wants to go outside and play with her friends. And the story begins by saying, From her bedroom window, Rebecca eyed the children playing in the snow enviously. How she longed to play with them. Now Rebecca, she remembered her father telling her that morning, You can't play in the snow today. Why not, father? Rebecca had asked. Every day the neighborhood children gathered at a park just behind Rebecca's house. Just trust me, Rebecca. It's not what's best for you today, her father had replied. At this time, Rebecca had responded by kissing her father on his cheek and assuring him that she would stay inside and read. But now she was having second thoughts. It is beautiful outside, she thought to herself. It was true. The sun was shining brilliantly. Why wouldn't her father let her go play? Why should she have to miss out on all the fun? When a snowball exploded just outside her window, Rebecca decided she couldn't stand it any longer. She simply had to go join the others. Leaving her book on the table, Rebecca slipped outside. She tried to tell herself she was having a good time, but all the while, her heart felt uncomfortable. She kept looking this way and that, fearful, lest her father would see her. After a few hours, Rebecca finally said her goodbyes and headed back towards the house. She wanted to be safely lodged in her room before her father came home. Intent on getting to her room as quickly as possible, Rebecca didn't see the mitten someone had left on the stairs until her foot slipped on it. Next thing she knew, she had fallen several stairs, and to her horror, she noticed that she had hit her father's favorite picture when she fell. A huge gash ran along the front of the picture. Normally, Rebecca would have hurried immediately to her father after such a fall, so he could doctor her up and make her feel better. But not this time. How how could she face her father right now? She had disobeyed him and ruined his favorite picture. Biting her lips to keep from crying out, Rebecca grabbed the ruined picture and hobbled to her room. For the remainder of the day, she lay in agony. Her body ached from the bruises she received on her fall, but her heart, that ached worst of all. She felt certain that her father would no longer love her. She had messed up in the past, but surely this time she had gone too far. He would probably never want to speak to her again. How could he still love her? She sobbed uncontrollably on her pillow. She had always been close to her father. They had played and studied together, they had laughed and cried together, but not now. No, she felt certain that all those wonderful times were over. Who knows how long she would have lain thus had not her nanny come in to check on her. Rebecca's nanny had a way about her of finding out exactly what was wrong and offering solid, wise counsel. Tonight was no exception. Rebecca, dear, she said firmly but gently, you've been very wrong, but you must not continue in your wrongness by sitting here. You must go to your father with the broken picture in your hand and tell him everything. Oh, but I can't. I'm, I'm not worthy of his love, Rebecca sobbed. Her nanny sighed patiently. You were no more worthy of it yesterday than today, child. Your father loves you because you're his daughter, not because of anything you do or don't do. Hasn't he told you every day since you were a little girl, I love you? Do you doubt his word? Do you really think his love is dependent on you? Doubt his word. That was an angle Rebecca had never thought about before. Maybe she should go see her father. Yes, she must go see him, for if she didn't, she'd never be able to rest. So, still shaking and trembling with fear, Rebecca limped down the hall to the living room. She paused at the doorway. Her father was sitting in his favorite chair, just like he did every night. He looked up when she entered, and a smile radiating with love illuminated his face. Ah, you've come at last. I've been waiting. Come, sit here on my lap. As he spoke, he opened his arms widely. Rebecca couldn't stand it. "'Oh, you don't understand, Father. You can't love me anymore. I've been terribly wicked.' And Rebecca held up the picture frame for her father to see. "'I know, Rebecca. More than you think. I watched you go outside. I watched you fall and hit the picture frame. I saw it all.' "'You did? Rebecca was flabbergasted. But but, weren't you at work?' Her father shook his head. "'I took the day off to spend some special time with you. That's why I told you not to go outside to play.' "'Ever since I saw you fall, I've been longing for you to come to me "'so I could bandage your wounds and help you. "'Won't you come now?' "'Rebecca could hardly believe her ears. "'Her father had planned to spend the afternoon with her, "'and she had missed it. "'Oh, what foolishness. "'Yet her father knew it all and loved her anyway. "'Could it be? "'But, Father, how can you love me now?' she asked. "'Rebecca's father smiled a smile that she would never forget. "'Rebecca, dear, I loved you before you were born.' You're my daughter, and I will always love you. Although sometimes your actions will result in consequences you could have avoided, nothing can ever separate you from my love. Now won't you come and let me help you with those bruises. This short story was so touching because I think it's a really simple and special way to describe how God loves us. No matter what we do, he will always love us because he's our father and he cares for us. And I hope that this podcast episode helped you. I hope that it was a great and encouraging start to your week. And if you feel like you're being kind of attacked by the lies from the enemy, I challenge you to make a response statement to each of these lies and then back up that statement with God's truth or with a life application or different examples that you read about or learn from other people. It can really encourage you in your daily life when you feel maybe run down with all of these messages coming at you. So I hope you all feel encouraged. I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to chat more in the next episode. Never forget that, girl, God's got you.